And I want to start off the bat by extending a heartfelt, happy Father's Day to all of you. You know, in a, in a culture that um, seems to be going out of their way to diminish the vital role that dads play, I want you to know that this is a church where we want to support you and equip you and cheer you on as best we can. And if you're a dad, you picked a great series to join us for. Uh, last week, we launched a brand new series called Our Kids. And when we use the phrase, our kids, in this series, we're talking about all the kids that God has put within the circle of influence for all of us. Not just the dads, not just the moms, but all the kids in the spheres of influence of all of us. So that's children and grandchildren, it's nieces and nephews, it are kids who are part of this church family, kids in our neighborhoods, kids in our classrooms, kids uh, that are on the teams that we coach, and kids of our friends' kids. What we're talking about is infants and toddlers. We're talking about preschool kids, elementary kids. We're talking about middle schoolers and high schoolers. And what we're doing in this series is we're inviting people to invest in this next generation. Like Jesus did. And like Paul did. Who were two people that didn't have kids of their own. And yet they, they recognized that leaving a legacy is absolutely essential. And now, with a show of hands, how many of you would say that today's young people are facing a lot of challenges? Let's do that one more time. Just take a look around. There's pretty much unanimous consensus here that today's teens, today's kids, they're facing a lot of challenges. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen online. And if you only have a little bit of time, you can fast forward ahead to about 11 and a half minutes in on last week's message where we unpacked for like 10 minutes just a few of the trends that are are converging on our young people like a perfect storm, just to get a picture of what they're facing today. And when I think about that, when I think about their situation, I think about what's happening in our culture, it makes perfect sense why a play like Dear Evan Hansen resonated as well as it did with so many people. Dear Evan Hansen was a play that was recently nominated for nine Tonys, and it won six of them. For a reference point, because that, that's not my world, I looked up West Side Story. West Side Story was nominated for six and won two. So it gives you a little perspective of the, the impact that this musical is having on people. Well, this musical is about a kid who feels like an outsider. And it resonated with so many folks. And when I read the lyrics, uh, my daughter pointed me to several of the lyrics of several of these songs. And reading this one, it, it made me tear up. Uh, and Rick knows that one that I'm going to talk about. He look, look at some of these words and, 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 and listen to this. This is from a song called Through a Window, Waving Through a Window. He says, I've learned to slam on the brake before I even turn the key. Before I make the mistake, before I lead with the worst of me. Give them no reason to stare, no slip up if you slip away. So I got nothing to share, I got nothing to say. Step, step out of the sun if you keep getting burned. Step, step out of the sun because you've learned. You've learned. On the outside, always looking in. Will I ever be more than I've always been? Because I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass. I'm waving through a window. I try to speak, no one can hear. I wait around for an answer to appear. I'm watch. I'm watching people pass. I'm waving through a window. Can anybody see? Can any, is anyone waving back at me? 
We start with stars in our eyes. We start believing we belong, but every sun doesn't rise. And no one tells you where you went wrong. Step, step out of the sun. If you keep getting burned, step out of the sun. You've learned, you've learned. When you're falling in a forest and there's nobody around, do you ever really crash or even make a sound? If you can identify with this song, welcome home. Welcome home. You know, I, we don't know how to break your glass, if that's you. But if you'll unlock that window and you'll let us in, or you'll step out, we will do everything we can, everything we can to make this a place where you are welcome and you're known. And you don't have to fear stepping out because we're here to support you. Outside of honoring God himself, nothing matters more to us at this church than our kids. Can I get an amen to that? Can I get a louder amen to that? Amen. Amen, says Brady. That is true, brother. We are looking out for you guys. You guys matter more to us than anything else. Now, this series we're in, it has a jumping off point. And our jumping off for this series are two letters. These are real letters that were written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. Paul wrote these letters to a young man as he was mentoring him in the faith. And in his letters, Paul wrote things like this. This is out of the book, the first letter. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one look down on you for your youth. But set the believers an example in your speech, in your conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Paul believed in this young man. He believed in him. And Paul's end game was not to build a protective bubble around Timothy. His goal was to introduce Timothy to a life that would spoil him from all other lives. And to equip Timothy with the knowledge and the skills and the values that would empower him... Timothy to leave a God-honoring legacy of his own. There is a legacy-leaving framework that we see in the scriptures. It is the framework that Jesus himself used with his disciples. And there's a place to write this in your notes if you weren't here last week. And if you were, it's great repetition. It helps us remember things. The scriptures contain a framework that has proven to be remarkably effective it begins with model, welcoming, and then modeling, and then equipping, and then entrusting. And this framework proved, as Jesus said it would, to be effective in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all the way to places like Minnesota. And I, I, let me just say this too. If, if someone brought you here today and you're not ready to embrace everything that Jesus said about God in the afterlife, let me offer this to you. Perhaps you're a person who cares about kids. And what if you could be a part of a community that was reducing drug abuse to less than 1% in their community? Wouldn't you say, I want to be a part of something like that that is making a real difference in people's lives? Well, next, in two weeks, we're going to provide some details. I'm teasing this now for two weeks in a row. In two weeks, we're going to provide some details of a study of 217,000 middle schoolers and high schoolers from 318 communities, 33 states, that demonstrates just how effective what we're talking about today is. This stuff makes a real difference in real choices. As I mentioned before, many of us, we have seen the difference that this makes with our own eyes. And now, finally, 
We've got the capacity here at Emmanuel to pursue this vision like never before. At the very bottom of that green note insert that you've got, we've got three things that everybody can do to help in this. Again, whether you've got kids or not, everyone can be giving, everyone can be serving, and then I left a blank for you there. That last one is growing. Because that's what we're going to focus on the next several weeks, growing in these areas. How can we all be growing and becoming more welcoming? How can we all be growing and doing a better job at modeling? How can we all be growing in in how we equip and how we entrust? Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to start with welcoming. Welcoming. And there's a place to write this in your notes. Why is welcoming the starting point? Because here's the cliche. Kids don't know how much you, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. How many have heard that before? All right. That cliche is so true. But what we want to do is let's go beyond the cliche. Let's dig in and let's talk about what that actually looks like. So there's another place to to write this in your notes. How do we welcome young people well? The first thing you want to do, get to know them and get to know their world. That is the starting point. You want to welcome well, get to know them and get to know their world. I was at a meeting for pastors from a Northwest Conference of our denomination And a woman named Ginny Olson got up. And Ginny is our teen ministry ministry guru for our denomination. So before she sat down from her spiel, um, she said, Hey, senior pastors, hey, I want to challenge all of you to get in the trenches with your youth. Get involved in the events. Get to know them. And I just about jumped up out of my seat and gave her a standing ovation. Maybe I should have. Because I'm like, yes, exactly. Real relationships have always been at the heart of discipleship. Can I get an amen to that? It's real relationships. You can throw any kind of program out there. If it's not based on real relationships, it's just a program. No matter how many whistles and bells you've got. It's got to be founded in real relationships. God have mercy on any church where visiting the nursery or talking to kids in the lobby or going on a teen retreat is somehow not worthy of a pastor's time. I'm a little bit bucky coming back from, you know, these weeks off. I just need to say some of these things. There is a great quote um, from some, one of the great resources that we've listed on the yellow insert. Inside your bulletin, you should have a yellow insert. We've got copies of most of those resources right on the connection table if you want to take a look at some of them and decide whether or not there's something you want to look at. But here's a great quote from one of those resources. If you want to pass on a legacy to the next generation, it has to be transferred how? relationally. Anytime you pass down rules or practices or truths outside of the context of genuine, compelling love, you establish empty religion. You promote an orthodoxy that will ultimately what? Die. Become abusive or even incite rebellion. I want to encourage everybody to get to know young people and get to know their world. Get to know them and get to know their world. Now, we're not going to expect everybody to know as much as Pastor Man Dan and almost Pastor Caitlin, all right? But what I want us to imagine is imagine if everybody who calls Emmanuel home, what if we all had a base knowledge of young people and, and what they're going through? What if we all had some of that? And if you're looking for a great starting point to better understand them um, and their world, I would encourage you to take out that yellow sheet, find the book Teen Proofing, and write chapter 2. 
Teen Proofing Chapter 2. It is more than worth the price of that book. Find Teen Proofing, write Chapter 2, and then find Uncommon Sense and write Chapter 3. I can give you these afterwards, too, if if you didn't have time to catch that. Teen Proofing, write Chapter 2, Uncommon Sense, Chapter 3. They do a great job of, in just a few pages, giving a good overview of the world of young people. They're great places to start, and God will honor investments like that. And, and here's the thing, not only for ourselves, but all of us have friends and neighbors and, and others in our life who, if we could be a resource when they're going through something, hey, here's some information that might help. Have you thought about this? Have you considered this? We could be great resources in our communities. But let's not stop with general knowledge. A book can only give you general knowledge, which is important, but only takes you so far. What we see in the scriptures is that Paul knew Timothy. He knew him. Not as someone who fit the young adult demographic. He knew him as an individual. He knew him as a person. He knew him as someone that has a unique personality and a unique story. And this fall, what we're going to do, there's so many good things ahead. This fall, we're going to be digging into the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, right around chapter 16, the name Timothy starts popping up. And so we begin to see that Timothy and Paul, they did a lot of life together. These two men traveled together. They served together. And look how Paul opens up his letters to Timothy. If you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to 2 Timothy, the second letter, chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. And what's interesting here, if you didn't hear the 2 Timothy part and you went to 1 Timothy, they look very similar. He opens both these letters in a similar way. He writes this as he's opening up his book. He says, to Timothy, and what does he call him? My beloved child. My beloved child, he says. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Both of his letters open with something like this, where Paul refers to Timothy as my beloved child, or I believe in in the first letter, it's my true son in the faith. There's a real relationship there. Paul knew Timothy. Paul knew his dad. He knew his mom. He knew his grandma. Paul knew about his unique situation and all those family dynamics. He also knew the unique gifts that God had given Timothy. Gifts that Paul challenged Timothy to fan into flame. Every one of us, every one of us can't know every one of our young people. We can't. But what if every one of our young people had several people who knew them well here. Several people who knew them well. Peers, adults, young adults, grandparents. As we get to know young people, as you get to know them personally, here's a couple tips. A couple tips. These aren't in your notes. We just put some of these out there. Again, if you want some of these, let me know. I can email them to you. People who know young people, they don't force most conversations. And what they do instead is they seize the moment when they're willing to talk. And then you're fully present when they do. People who know young people, next slide, give young people time to transition and decompress, to which some of the teens said amen, right? 
and extend a lot of grace. I've been working on that one at home. It's so easy when they come home from school. Hey, are you this? How's the homework? Boom, 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 boom. You got two minutes to eat and then I want to see, you know, right? They need time. They need time to decompress. There was a study that found most kids would rather have their grandparents drive them home after a game than their parents. When researchers drilled down into this, the kids opened up and they said, hey, grandma and grandpa, they don't fire so many questions at me. They don't criticize every part of the game. They don't criticize the coaches. They don't complain about the referee's call. They were just there to support me and drive me home and get me some ice cream, you know? All right, another, some more tips. People who know young people aren't, quote, ever vigilant for error. That one stuck me like a knife when I saw that quote in one of the books. Instead, what we do is, if we know young people, we start to focus on one or two things at a time. Now, if you were a professional tracker, your whole living was based on trying to track where things went. Probably the easiest thing to track on the planet is a teenager, right? Lights are on, clothing, the trail follows, you know, the wrappers and all that stuff, right? Okay, but it's easy to point that out as we're looking at them. But what if they followed us around and pointed out everything that we could be working on? That would be a long, long list, wouldn't it? A long, long list. So we want to remember that. We want to remember that. If I could only recommend one book on your resource list, it'd be like making me choose between my fingers because you're going to have a better grasp if you read them all. But if I could only read one or recommend one, I'd say just. Read that book, just. And one of the things that, that he does, chapter 12, he makes a compelling case for focusing just one or two things at a time. One or two things at a time. Imagine if all of us spent 10 times more time communicating what we cherish about a young person than what we want to change. Imagine that. All right, a couple more tips real quick. People who know young people, avoid comparisons. That one should just be obvious, right? Don't compare one young person to another. But this one maybe isn't as much as obvious. We should also learn how to avoid arguments. And this one, I want to encourage you. Again, I'm giving you a lot of jump-off points here because some of us, you know, these are areas we could really use. If you're finding that you're in a lot of arguments with young people, I want to encourage you to, to write down chapter 3 next to teen proofing. Chapter 3 next to teen proofing. The author makes a compelling case why adults, we lose power when we get into a power struggle. And he does a great job of saying, here's how you avoid the power struggle, but you still set those boundaries and enforce them. It's really good stuff. All right, people who know young people, avoid placing them in awkward or embarrassing situations. Don't do that. And they also, this one's so key, establish and enforce God-honoring boundaries. That is essential. We're going to get more into that in a couple weeks too. Young people will push against boundaries. It's their job. But establishing and enforcing clear and God-honoring boundaries is one of the most important things we can do to make them feel welcome. They won't know that's what's going on. But that's one of the most important things that we could do to make them feel Welcome at home or at church or in the classroom on your team. If you don't have boundaries in any of those places, it is, it, it's anxiety-producing. Here's a great quote that speaks to that from the Uncommon Sense book. Only when teenagers experientially understand and trust the structure around them are they able to what? Fully develop 
If these things aren't in place, they can't even fully develop. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing so much anxiety in this generation and all these things. All right. Well, these are just some practical tips from people who know young people and their world. Now let's go back to our list. Here are some ways, uh, number two on our list, of ways we can welcome well. All of this that we just talked about, this fits under the category of knowing young people in their world. Let's move on to another category, and that is this. How do we welcome young people well? Love God and others how? Sacrificially. They need to see that we really care about them. So much so we're willing to sacrifice on their behalf. They're not an interruption or anything like that. Nothing communicates you are welcome here like a community that puts others first. This is how Jesus of Nazareth demonstrated his love and his commitment to his disciples. And this is how Paul demonstrated his love and commitment to Timothy. Here's an example from that second letter. Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 7. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I kept the faith. And here's what I see here that's so important. Paul didn't just demonstrate, I'm willing to sacrifice. He called Timothy to do the same, didn't he? He said, let's live for something bigger than us. All right. Third uh, way to welcome young people well. There's a place to write this in your notes. Third thing, make a decision to do more than what? Tolerate. There needs to be a whole series on this at some point. We've got to do more than tolerate our kids. Let's be a community that is committed to loving them. To loving them. Not simply tolerating them. This summer, I had an opportunity to go musky fishing on Lake Johanna. Some people, you would never want to swim again if you saw the size of some of the fish that come out of that lake. Wow. So I had an opportunity to go out there and try to go after some of these monsters. It was fun. Well, both of the guys that took me out, they said, never, ever, ever eat fish that come out of Johanna. It's, I think, on the DNR's list of, some say you can eat a little bit of fish, a little bit of this. From some, They say, never eat anything. Coming out of Johanna. Interesting. All right? So I take them at their word. Now, let's say you're a person who's armed with that information. And you see kids heading down to Lake Johanna. They got their fishing poles in one hand. They got their bag of charcoal in their other arm. Because they're going to catch some fish and grill them up for supper. What does tolerance look like? Have fun. Enjoy your fish. Hope you like it. That's tolerance, right? What does love say? Love says, how do, I, how do I communicate to them in a way where they don't think I'm crazy? You know? Which is harder, to tolerate or to love? Love is so much harder. So much harder. Especially if it seems like everyone else is grilling fish. I just read an article about a nine-year-old girl. She was so into this game Fortnite that she would wet herself during the game rather than take a break. What does tolerance look like? You go, girl. You be you. Just don't sit next to me. You know? What would love have us do? Recognize there's something here that's not right. And how do we help this girl? 
The stakes are even higher when it comes to faith. Kids would be better off eating Lake Johanna sushi every day than disregarding God's loving guidance. Can I get an amen? Amen. Tolerance is so much lesser than love. But love won't feel like love if we don't welcome well. Isn't that true? It'll just feel like judgment. This is why this matters so much. You can't love well if it just feels like judgment. All right, there's one more thing that we must do that I want to introduce you to, to some special guests. Here we go. Number four. How do we welcome young people well? Surround them with what kind of people? Safe people. Man, we could spend a lot of time on this one too. The number of kids who are abused by trusted adults is staggering. It is staggering. And that abuse can take all kinds of forms. Let's do everything we can to surround kids in our homes, on our teams, in our schools, in our church with safe people. Can I get an amen? People who put their, self in, their interests first. Okay, well, I just gave you four ways that we can welcome young people. Well, get to know them in the world. Love God and love others sacrificially. Make a decision to not just tolerate kids and then surround them with safe people. And now what I want to do, this is going to be fun. What I want to do now is for us to get a chance to see what happens when we do these things. At this time, I want to invite Ben and Lainey and Cam to come on up, you guys. Come on up here. And grab a seat. And this is going to be fun. What I, what I asked these guys is if they would be open to coming and sharing a little bit. And so that we can see as we bring this teaching to a close of the difference that it makes when we welcome well. You know, that, that why this is so important. And so, Ben, we're going to start with you here. Let me set this up for just a second, all right? So, this is Ben Peterson. And Ben grew up going to church pretty much all your life, right? I mean, as long as you can remember, you've been going to church. You were probably dedicated, right, as a kid. Okay, so as long as he's been alive, he's been going to church. Well, he was going to a different church. And how did it feel at that church that you were at, the one that you were at before? How, did you like it? Did you feel like home? What was it like? Uh, it felt like I was welcome there because I went there for my whole life, and I knew a lot of people there. And once he left... It just felt super weird because I was leaving the only church I went to my whole life. Yeah. And so then he, he gets, his dad gets a call here. His dad's Jason, our worship leader, right? Pastor Jason. So this family gets a call to come to this church. And you didn't take that news very well, <laughs> right? In fact, what did you tell your dad? Uh, I said, I'm going to walk to our old church. I'm, I'm going to walk to Calvary. Yeah, he goes, if you make me go there, I'm going to walk to Calvary. <laughs> so you got, this is such an important lesson for us because you could be a, a kid or a teen or somebody, you could grow up going to church, but that doesn't automatically say that you're going to want to go to a new church. In part because this welcoming thing, that was home to you, right? People knew you and knew you by name. All right, but there was an event here that helped you. You want to explain that? One of the things that helped you a little bit. Uh, yeah, Tim Crenshaw, he did the sack race with me like a million times. And like I just felt super welcome. But with that, at the Halloween thing, at the last event we had before we had the rent, not, not being able to rent the building anymore. So I felt 
welcome there because there's someone who knew me and it was like the first person I knew before I started meeting other people. That was awesome. Can you guys give a big hand to Ben? Thank you, Ben. You want to pass it to Thank you. That was awesome. Do you, do you guys catch that? There was a name, right? There was a name of somebody. You can, you can point to the name. Someone who took time with him. A sack race. You know, getting in and mixing it up. These things can make a huge difference. All right. So Lainey, I want to give you a little bit of background for Lainey if you, if you don't know Lainey. Lainey is our first string announcement giver. Um, if, you, if we had a YouTube channel, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If we had a YouTube channel for announcements, um, we would have more views on the times when she gave the announcements than any other time in history. She's uh, a, a lot of fun. Now, one of the reasons we asked Lainey to be a part of this, um, this panel up here of distinguished individuals is Lainey, her experience growing up, you didn't really have a church that was home, that really felt like, okay, this is someplace, I go every week, this is, this is my home church. And so it'd be great if you'd be willing to share a little bit about what was it here when you got connected with Emmanuel that helped you feel welcome? Like this is a place where I'm accepted and those kind of things. So at my old church, um, we would just go there every Sunday and it would just be like, okay, we're going to go to church and then we're going to go home and it's, it would just be once a week. But here, um, I like go to snow camp. I go Wednesdays. I used to go Wednesdays. Um, they're not there anymore, but, um, I go every Sunday now and it's just, it's a place where I really feel more welcome and it's a smaller church too, which is way better because you know more people and, just at the last church, you would just go, you would just kind of not really talk to anybody, you would listen to the service, and then you would go home, so it's really different here, um, when you, like, come here, and you talk to everybody, and it's, it's really fun here. I like so, it. part of it is having a bunch of different types of activities, different ways you can plug in, and then to be known, where you're not just a face, face in the crowd. Were there, um, were there any kind of moments, or any kind of things that you can think of, um, where, this, this helped. Like if someone said something like coming up to you, what, what kind of things would make you, or, and because you invite your friends too. And these guys are coming all the way from Andover as well. So I mean, you're making a trip here. So when I first came, um, I noticed there was a nursery and I love kids. So I signed up for that right away. And I started um, getting to know the parents and getting to know all the kids here. And um, I just loved working there because you met so many new people and you met so many new kids, and it, would ju- it was just a great way to meet new people. Awesome. Thank you. Can we have a hand for Lainey? That was great. Thank you so much. So much. That was awesome. You know, so another way, too, is have people a lot of opportunities. There's ways where our young people can plug in, and that's intentional. Right away, we want them to be able to contribute, to jump in and, and, and find ways where they can serve and they can get involved, besides just opportunities to, to have fun and, and to learn. All right, so Cam, originally when I was picturing this thing in my head, I was thinking Cam could be a great one to just share, like, what are you doing to welcome people? Because Cam is, like, he's first string welcomer. So many of our young people, they, they know Cam, they spend time with Cam. How, how many years have you been volunteering, do you think, with the, our teens? I, th- I think it's been seven now. Seven years. Wow, that's awesome. But, but as, the more we were talking, I was thinking, you know, Cam came here as a young adult. And one of the things that's true about our church is we, we're intentionally intergenerational. We don't want to try to target any one age or life stage or anything like that. We're trying really hard to be a community church where we get all these generations coming together, people from all these different, different places. And that can sometimes be tough for young adults, you know? And there's, there's certain churches that do a great job of saying, we want to target young adults. We're going to have music that's for young adults. We're going to have, going to have um, messages that are geared for that. What was it about our church that made you feel welcome here? Like, this is a place that's home to you. 
Um, I was trying to think about that for like the past week. And yeah. basically the, the one thing that I can, that I keep coming back to is the fact that if we keep trying to chase after community, we're never going to find it. Uh, if you keep moving from place to place, it's, that it's not going to be a grow. talk point in our notes. <laughs> Do you hear that? Can you repeat that? That was um, awesome. If, if you keep chasing after community, you're never going to find it. And when you when you are given you know skills and abilities, it's important to find a place where you can use those. And then once you find your your place, and there's no reason to switch, then why why go elsewhere? That is fantastic. So again, one of the things we can do is try to provide opportunity for people where they can experience this community. So can we give a big hand for all three of our panelists? Thanks, you guys. And as they're stepping down, I want to invite the worship band to come up. And I just want to share a couple closing things as we do. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. You guys can step down. Um, Oh, the one last question. I have one last question. Okay, you guys can do it from right there. One last question. Worship band, yeah, come on up, you guys. Um, The one last question I have for you. This is why I write things down. Um, And it's open to any of you. If we did all the other things... All the other things that, that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. We do modeling really well. We do equipping really well. We do entrusting really well. But we don't do this well, welcoming. Is, what would be that be like? Would that be good, helpful? What would it feel like? If we, if, we, if we fail at welcoming, what would you say to that? Um, if you don't feel welcome, is it really a home? So it's like you don't really feel like you're like welcome. If you're not welcome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't phrase this question really well. But pretty much none of the, none of the rest matters, right? Because you yeah. just don't feel welcome, right? All right, well, thanks. Oh, Ben, you want to say something too? Yeah. Uh, so basically you wouldn't feel welcome at all because people wouldn't welcome you at all. Exactly. Boom. Good job. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Yeah, you could put it right. Oh, right there. All right, well. Next week, I wanted to say this. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the importance of modeling. And I want to speak specifically to people who are maybe looking ahead and they see that. And they're like, I think I need to find an excuse to not come next week. Because you look at your own life and you go, I'm so far from a model. I'm not the person that I want to be. Let me just speak to that really, really quick. First, I want to say, I've had an opportunity to get a front row seat in the lives of some of the most amazing families you will ever meet. Every family has their stuff. Can I get an amen to that? Every family has their stuff. When we were singing Good, Good Father earlier, I was next to my oldest daughter, we were singing this. She wasn't singing You're Perfect in All Your Ways to me. She was not singing that, right? We all have our stuff. So please know that there's not a family out here where everything is just you know, smooth sailing all the time. But the other thing I want to say is even if you feel like, well, your stuff is not as bad as my stuff. Let's say your stuff is horrible, all right? One of the most powerful testimonies that anyone could ever have for other people is when you make a conscious decision to say, starting today, I want to start making steps in the right direction. Starting today, I want to take one step closer to the person that I know I want to be. Many of you know a guy named Tandon Brecky. I'll never forget when he shared his testimony. He was a youth director, youth pastor. He shared his testimony, stuff I had never heard before, about how his dad was as messed up as you're going to find. And yet his dad began to change. He came to a personal faith in Jesus. It changed his life one step at a time to the point where Tandon, who wasn't a follower of Jesus, saw these changes that were happening in his dad and said, Dad, 
this God that you're, is changing your life, tell me about him. So I want to encourage all of us to come back next week as we talk about this whole idea of modeling. How can we get better at it? How can we get better? All right, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you that you are perfect in all your ways and you set this standard for us that then we can take one step closer in grace towards. Father, we pray that this is a community that never puts pressure on anyone else to obtain that perfection, but rather we are cheering one another on as we take our next step. Father, now help us to seal this moment that we've had with this amazing song called Reckless Love, this amazing song that speaks to how you have welcomed us in with a love that is so amazing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.